Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cut Day on the Stargazing Podcast. Training camp's wrapping up. We're rounding into regular season form, and it's time to take a serious look at the roster as we head into the season. Joined, as always, well, as most of the time, by by Mark, and then new, brand new contributor, uh, head of the uh, European division here at DBD. Uri, how are you doing? Well, hello, everybody. I'm doing pretty great, actually. It's Saturday evening here, and uh, I have no time limitations, so looking forward to talk some Stars hockey. You got I think evening might be a little bit generous to us. It's it's inching up on midnight, if mem- if, if my time zone calculations hold. Is that right? Yeah, but, you know, I'm, I really do not sleep at all when the <laughs> Stars season starts. So, <laughs> um, how, how can you sleep the way the Dallas Stars have to play, use good and bad? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the toughest, toughest things to do was to watch some boring games during night and not to try fall asleep, you know. <laughs> so, but so, so Rick uh, Bonus is gone now, so you should be fine. Oh man, I should hope so, right? <laughs> oh, we should all hope so. Well, there's a lot to talk about as we're, we're hinting around it a little bit. Obviously, we're we're going to do some getting to know you stuff. I'd like to give our newest contributor a chance to. to I know you've already had a couple of first rate articles out of the gate, but uh, give you a chance to kind of introduce yourself to the potting audience. We're also, I mean, we've we've got a lot to talk about in terms of Dallas Stars roster. We're we're going to talk about the preseason to date. We've got some cuts coming up next week, so a lot of what we say is going to immediately be either prescient and amazing or completely wrong and stupid which is about normal for us i would say and um yeah we'll, we'll talk a little stars and, and things are things are kind of getting getting serious and, and i want to start with with general um you know there there have been some announcements coming today at least in terms of a couple of players are starting to leave camp more more departures are expected as we get closer to the regular season uh, this is generally the time in preseason where teams kind of trim some of the the real outside shot guys and, and really narrow it down to people that they're taking a hardcore look at so as we sit here today, and I'm not going to go through, um, you know, if you want the exacts, right? Matt, Matt DeFranks on his Twitter had had the actual list. You can look it up and, and find it. But there are a couple of, of names on there that will obviously focus on still being part of the mix, right? That's Bork, Johnston, um, Stankoven are all still very much in the mix at, and, um, you know, still still on the roster Jason Robertson is still not, as well as some of the old old faces that you would you would expect, right? The Bens and the Sagans and the the Pavelskis of the world. So the first question out of the gate, and we'll start with you, new guy. Have you what has really stood out to you so far in Dallas's preseason? Well, and thanks for the intro, by the way. Uh, what has stood out is probably one man, and it's Pete DeBoer, obviously. And it's uh, just because it, it was really such a fresh change, ma- mainly to hear, hear some of the things that he has had to say, and also the style of the play that they are trying to implement. That's why I also I'm not overly concerned about the results at all. And also, like Dobby was in the net for the two games at home, which he wasn't really at his best at all or near his best. Unfortunately for the Stars and for the Jim Neal as well. But uh, the the process and the style of play that they will play maybe in October, November, that's what I'm really looking forward to. And I think they are on the way to get that 
uh, get that level pretty soon. Also with the newest acquisition of Nils Lundqvist, which will be probably one of the biggest catalysts for me to really try to implement the De Boer style. And really, I'm honestly looking forward for the change of style of play. So that's what stood out to me. And uh, I'm really not overly, as I said, not really overly concerned about the results, but uh, if I see the process is taking on and it's uh, it's and players are getting used to it, so maybe we can even see like uh, new coming of Radek Faxa. Who knows? So that's <laughs> what did, I'm really he did looking have forward some quotes to. Quotes about how excited he was to play offense and maybe he'd, he'd get some of his confidence back. Uh, I think that the process, not results, is a, a great a, a great way to to focus on this and, and also to bring Mark into the conversation. Is that is that something you agree with, Mark? Oh, absolutely. And I think I think there are a, a few key areas that I'm paying attention to, um, specifically with Stankoven and Johnston. I think a lot of what their short-term future with the Dallas Stars is dependent on is, is robo-signing. And I think it's entirely possible that we might see one of those two. And here I think it's probably sorry, specifically sorry, uh, Wyatt Johnston that he will uh, take Robo's spot and maybe even get a full nine games in uh, as as Robertson makes his way back into the Stars lineup after, you know, fingers crossed, uh, we get a contract signed. And so I think if Robertson was signed, we wouldn't be sitting in this position where where you would think that Johnston or Stankoven would be sticking with the team once things down to a full NHL uh, roster, but I think one of those two has an excellent shot right now. Yeah, I mean, and I I know nothing, right? This is not a comment born out of any kind of insider information, but just looking at the way that he's been deployed, listening to the way that he's been talked about by you know DeBoer, by even Razor and the announced team, it really feels like this team wants Johnston to make the lineup. If that makes sense, I don't know that they want him to to make the lineup. I think that he probably fits uh, better into the lineup. Uh, especially if Robertson's not around, then Stankoven does. You know, obviously that could be wrong. I think a lot of Dallas Stars fans want, want to see Johnston in the lineup. But if I'm going through the list of players out there, uh, if, if Robertson's around, I, I just don't see how uh, how they give up a, uh, a year on his entry-level contract. What do you think, Uri? Jim Neal seems pretty relaxed when it comes to Jason Robertson's signings. And I was wondering why. And I think I have a theory on that, if you don't yeah. mind jumping in. So earlier have, this week, the NHL announced a kind of projection of the salary cap for the next couple of years. And I'm, I'm trying to to dig up the uh, yeah, here we go and trying to dig up the exact figures. But basically, over the next couple of years, they, so this upcoming season, the cap's going to be just a shade over 82 million. It's 82 and a half. Uh, we'll get a 1 million increase next summer, and they're anticipating a 4 million bump in 2024 and then a 5 million bump in 2025. So we're looking over the next, you know, by the time we get to the 25, 26 season, we're looking at an almost $10 million jump in the salary cap. That's kind of what the NHL is projecting. So my theory on that is that's obviously fantastic news for everybody, right? Because, um, you know, more money, fewer fewer problems. Uh, but specific to specific to the Dallas Stars, that I think means, you know, if, if it pretty much locks us into there's around six million or so left for a Robertson extension today, right? And if we look at 25, 26, 
Jamie Benn's contract is off the books by then. Radic Fox's contract is off the books by then. So is Essa Lindell. So is Ryan Suter, right? So if if you are Jason Robertson and you're thinking about the kind of deal that you want to sign to maximize your earnings, and maybe he's not thinking this, but he probably is, then it, it seems like something in terms of a bridge makes a ton of sense because the pool of money, right? You always, I guess you bet on yourself, right? If he, if he takes a bridge, continues to play well, there will be, you know, $10 million more in a vacuum available for him to, to draw from. Plus there will be, you know, a gigantic pile of money left as the, you know, some of the legacy deals on the stars roster begin to expire. So from Robertson's standpoint, makes a ton of sense to, to pick a bridge of some kind. And, and honestly, from the star standpoint, it sort of makes sense to do business that way as well, right? Like, yes, sure, if he, you know, if he wants to sign an eight-year, one million dollar a year deal, if you're the stars, you you take that whistling. But you know, looking at the business reality, they're going to have more flexibility in terms of what they can offer him at the expiration of a bridge too. And yes, they will sacrifice some cost certainty. And yes, it will be more expensive to sign Jason Robertson in three or four years than it will be to sign him, you know, right now. But from a team perspective, you can probably, you know, that that deal, though, a do- larger dollar value will probably be a smaller percentage of your cap. So from both the player's perspective and the team's perspective, it seems like we're really narrowing down the, you know, in terms of, of the time frame, what they're looking at. And, you know, there's still no advantage really in, you know, there, there aren't there aren't any, you know, good team. You know, there, there's a rumor floated that Buffalo, right, could make an ideal trading destination. Well, if you're Jason Robertson's camp, do you want to go, you know, the, the places that could pay you aren't the places you want to go. But after a bridge deal, that that whole thing changes, right? So I my gut is that in the next, you know, part of why part of why Jim Nill is is confident is there's probably a number that he already knows gets this done, right? And but also, he like- may be. Say again? Yeah, sorry. And also, like I said, that he's relaxed, but I have I have also the theory that uh, he's why he's re- why is he why is he so relaxed and so confident? Because maybe this is some some sort of a blessing in disguise. And really, bear with me on this, uh, as I think they'll give all the space they could uh, provide for Johnston and Stankoven to really like make make their point of staying in the NHL because. Uh, as you said, and that's totally right, uh, Jim Neal probably, or really realistically, now has only space for a bridge deal. I mean, it's it's more than six million. I think it's around seven point eight if you count Dobby in minors. But uh, yeah, he, yeah, really, that's true. That's he's true. Really, he's could, really, that, he's yeah, really they could big. obviously there are some pieces they could probably buy out if they had to. Like there's some yeah. cash around. But he was the Jim Neal is really, really big into contract layering, and the Johnston and Stankoven thing here is pretty interesting because if one of them is staying in the NHL. They would need their big deals or their or, or their bridge deals or whatever in three years. And but we also have Marek Bork who will need the next deal next deal in three years. So that's why maybe Jim Neal is kind of a bit of a waiting mode to see if maybe Johnston makes the team and stays mm-hmm. for the full season because there he will have Attinger, Bork, and Johnston all due in three years. And that's when he knows that he can offer Oberson four years. And vice versa. If Johnston doesn't make the team and Stankoven is sent to the WHL, then he can uh, confidently offer Robertson three years. So uh, that's why I think that he already has the number and he's he's willing to sacrifice maybe few days of the regular season just to see if the guys are ready. Mm-hmm. And from that on, he will know if to offer Robertson three or four years because that way he stays in RFA for the Dallas Stars and 
uh, Jim Neal can really layer the contracts as he likes to do so. But also, like I, th I also think the best way to do business with uh, Robertson is to sign him long term. But uh, you need you really need two to tangle, right? And the, his agent his agent would be foolish not to go for a bridge deal and not to like explore the possibilities of cap rise in 2025 or 2026. So that's why I think it's really not all in Jim Neal's hands right now. And uh, crucially and funny, funny enough, I think Wyatt Johnston is a pretty big factor here in Jason Roberts' signing, believe it, believe it or not. It's my theory and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, and I, I read your tweet on that and I, my brain had been kind of going down that same line and I was glad to see somebody else kind of throw it out there. Because if, if anything, if anything, Jim Neal has been known throughout his stay in Dallas as somebody who layers contracts. And that just fits perfectly in with the type of thing that he does. And so I, I think you're just spot on. Yeah, exactly. Like, imagine he signed Robo for three years and he already signed Jake for three years and he has Maverick Borg in three years. And what if Bayer Johnson is so good that you cannot cut him? And what if even Stan Coven is so good that you cannot cut him? Then you have five stars due for a new contract in summer of 2025. And that's just not proper asset management, if you ask me. It's not. And if he can get away with it, I think he will. Flip side of that is it's been layered well enough that he if it's, you know, potentially if you have to that's signing five stars is a good problem to have considering that same offseason you'll you'll drop one, two, three. You know, there's four coming off the books that year, you know, the ones we talked about. And then you've got the Marchmont deal just running one additional year. And by that point, you've even got line aside into the end of, you know, Sagan's deal only runs through, you know, 2026, 20, 27, right? So even if, I, so I agree with you, right? Obviously layering is good. We've always on the podcast banged the drum of, of Jim Nil. You can say what you want about individual deals, but when you look at the Dallas cap situation as a whole, he has almost always managed to juggle things just with a deft expert touch. And I think even in a situation where, oh my gosh, there's there's five guys that just demand to be, you know, in the roster and paid and all of that, you can still look at the roster and, and there's still a lot of flexibility. And and no, it wouldn't be ideal, but it would be manageable. I mean I disagree, kinda. Okay. <laughs> I know. I, I know. For a new guy, it's 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 no. Cool. Come at me. I I have no. <laughs> yeah, I I have no special knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I I went through. I went really through a rabbit hole, and uh, I mean, for the summer of 2025, you will have these contracts of Lindell and Jamie Ben coming off, but you would also have new contract of Rope Hintz, possibly even Niels Lundqvist and Thomas Harley on the books. So. Uh, I mean, there is space, but there is not so much space that people actually think there will be. So, so it's pretty, it's pretty tight exercise that I did, and I, I was really deep into the predictions. Predictions, and that's why I also did the article because I think it's worth to mention that yeah, the cap is rising, but it's not that much money if you really go like uh, contract by contract, and it's really a good problem to have, like to let's say as you said, have five stars to sign, but. If it were to happen in the same summer, they will probably need to trade uh, a guy like maybe Guriano if he's still here, or maybe maybe some, maybe Mason Marchman, as you said, or maybe maybe some other guy. And uh, ideally, you want to wait for uh, for a cup to rise even more. So that means 
it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if Stankovan returns to the VHW and win a Memorial Cup with Kamloops. Yeah. And I would totally understand if they sent Johnston after nine games to Windsor because uh, then they could uh, layer it up better. And in, and in 2026, the cup will rise probably even more mm-hmm. than to 92.5. So I think it's pretty... It's, it, would, it would be pretty savvy from Jim Neal or maybe even other GM that will be here uh, at, at that time to to not have everything in one summer because because it could be like the perfect storm or it could be really disastrous for the stars. That's that, that but that, that's just what I think. Yeah, and 26 is kind of a weird year because right now that you know it is off in the future, but Mar- Marshman's contract's really the only one of any size that's uh, that's so far coming off in 26. Yeah, and let's not forget a, that the current CBA actually runs out in the summer of 2026, and there yeah. is a possibility of a lockout in the 26-27 season. Yeah. But I think we are getting way too ahead of ourselves right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, all, all of this stuff is fun, but at, at a certain point, a big trade just messes up all the logic. And and, and Jim Nill has been known to throw some pretty big trades out there every once in a while. Yeah, and he'll have in in your scenario there. It is potentially a situation where Dallas is going to have assets, right? And they may not, right? This is the time of season, this time of year where everything is optimistic, and you know all the flowers are blooming and all of that. But you know, there's, I just, it's hard to not, you know, I don't, I don't want to say that they'll be challenging for the cup this coming year, but it's it's hard to look at the future of this team and not at least be a little bit thrilled, right? Yeah. Yeah, how about how about we we get this a little more specific? We we have a bunch of forwards that are still uh, still with the team. Um, I, I think the the basic thought is that we have nine or ten that are kind of locks. If you include Peterson as a lock, mm-hmm. um, who 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 else? Uh, who who of the people who are fighting for a position do you see uh, making the NHL roster? I do not think that we're going to see Bork or Stankoven on the, the opening day roster. Um, I think that with Bork, you the fact that they can send him to the AHL and give him a primary role there, he's kind of, you know, he his bar to entry is much higher because the team has higher level options for which to deal with him, right? And, and I think as well, they seem to really like the energy that Stankoven brings and, and seem to really like his tenacity. But again, I think he's another one of those guys that probably has to do a little bit more because there's a value at his size in getting him another year to build strength, you know, put on weight, develop physically, all all of those things. So I think those two feel like the most likely to go down for various circumstances. I, I still think that we break camp with Johnston on the lineup unless he falls off a cliff or, you know, unless they really struggle or I, I just, it there's a vibe, man. Yeah. And, and I, I, I agree with you. With the, with the caveat that that I think if Robertson's signed and and is ready to go, I think I think Robertson just takes that spot and and Johnston goes back to the OHL. Yeah, it's a possibility, but also count injuries that could happen. I mean, what happened to Tidal Andrea was I mean I, I I was so un, so unhappy for this because he's one of my favorite players on the team and he was playing like out of his mind. He was playing probably his best hockey in Stars jersey, and uh, but. His injury is really uh, an opportunity for some and one free roster spot for. Yeah. Well, and, and here's yeah, kind and of my take on the Landry. I, 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 I they're think saying the Landry is looking at probably two to three weeks, 
is what I'm seeing on the sidelines. And yeah, given this time of year at that point, you know, they seem to really like him. Uh, there was a comment. I can't remember if it was by Neil Graham or Pete DeBoer, but basically saying he kind of proved everything he needed to prove last year in the AHL. But again, this is a guy that can go down that does have that option. And I think given the timeline of his recovery, I feel like the smart play for both the player and the team is he starts the season in the A working his way back. Well, and I, I'll throw something else out there. I, I think I, you know, I, I saw the quote from DeBoer who said he had him penciled into the lineup. I, I don't think that changes. What I think happens is that the Stars head into the season with 13 forwards on the roster with a open spot that Delandry is going to fill. And they have a road game at Nashville. Then they're home with, uh, with Nashville and then a home game at Winnipeg. So the first week of the season, they really can just play with 13 forwards. And so I think they I think they accumulate a little cap space and then Delandria goes on the road with the team when they head head on out after that first three games. And also there is like this there are other like uh, guys on the fringe with uh, Marianne Studenich, Joel maybe Joel Kiviranta is is still on the fence. I mean Riley Tapti is no longer waiver exempt, so he will probably need to go through waivers and I think that he will. The question is if there is a team that will stank him. I mean, he's also former first-round pick, but if I were to like bet my money, I think nobody would claim him as of right now because, uh, I mean, his play didn't warrant it to stay on the NHL team, even though he's not waiver eligible anymore or really exempt anymore, sorry. And uh, I really think that it all like comes down to guys also, Freddie Karlstrom or, or even like... Mm, maybe possibility of Logan Stankovan and give, giving him at least one or two games of the NHL mm-hmm. and 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 maybe maybe they want to do that because he is no he is in no rush to go to Kamloops because Memorial Cup doesn't start it until next year and uh, if Jason Robertson is not signed there is also another free roster spot for and maybe we can see Stankovan and Johnston making the opening night only for them to go back to the juniors. I mean, there are all kinds of possibilities here, and that's what that's what is actually pretty exciting because nothing is guaranteed for at least those nine guys that are pretty much penciled in, and nothing will be happening with them probably, bearing some trades or or injuries. So it's pretty exciting time on the forwards, good, but also on the defense. So yeah, defense- I, 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 the competition's been great. I think the one name that we've all missed because nobody's really seen him play unless he went to to training camp is is Freddie Olofsson. Um, you know, he played one game up in one, one game up in Tulsa. He's going to play up in Kansas City. But this is a guy who's 26. His AHL or his two way deal pays him the same at the AHL level as it does at the NHL level. And so this is a contract that the Stars signed with a, a general feeling that he's ready to go. And I think he's a real wild card in this situation because nobody who who isn't pretty deep into the stars has really seen what he brings to the table. So what do you think he brings to the table, in your opinion? I've only seen clips of him play. I I didn't see the game in Tulsa, and I'm not going to have a chance to see anything in Kansas City tonight. And otherwise, you haven't seen him play. He didn't play at Traverse City. Complete wild card. From what I saw from from Swedish Hockey League, I mean, he was their go-to power play option. And uh, I'm not so sure if he fits in the bottom six uh, in the NHL, but he wouldn't have anywhere else to play, probably. 
that's why I think he will go down to Texas and maybe to get used to the the U.S. style hockey and also like the smaller ring, etc. So I'm not overly concerned about him uh, staying in the NHL or for the opening night. I mean, he could be an option if he proves himself like for the first one or two months in, in the A. But uh, to me, he's not a factor to make the opening night roster, but only... Not, 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 not because he's not good enough. I mean, he, he, he could probably be on, on many other teams, but the Stars have so much forwards, like also other forwards who can make the team. And he can go to the AHL. He can be waived. Uh, he can go like without going through through waivers. And uh, I mean, uh, he really probably needs also like more games because he also has some sort of a minor injury during the training camp. So... I mean, a month or two in the AHL wouldn't do him bad. Uh, the same goes for Mathieu Blumel, who was pretty good from what I gathered. And uh, But he has time. He has two years yeah. uh, of his contract. And I think it's a great decision that they send him to the AHL. Also, uh, my my Czech friends who are following hockey and AHL were pretty surprised and shocked because they they for sure thought that he was going to make the team. Because they like him so much. I mean, he was great for the national team in Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. He was great uh, also in Czech League. Although the po- the points didn't really pop up uh, so much, but uh, his underlying numbers were were were, were terrific, really. And, well, I think uh, there's a there's a role question as well. Like there's to me, it's it's we sometimes fall into this habit of looking at call-ups as binary, right? If you're in the AHL, you're worse than if you're in the NHL, right? Because one league is higher than the other, therefore one league is better. And in some instances, that's true, but in some, it's it's a little bit reductive. So, you know, thinking about the way that players profile, and, and you had mentioned, uh, I believe it was talking to Olofsson, but you had mentioned how, you know, being an option on the power play was a part of the player's skill set, right? And and when you look at the stars and the way that they're going to evaluate that player, that's probably part of their calculus, right? Is this is a guy that we project to play this role on the power play. Therefore, we need to get an idea of how he's going to play on the power play, right? And and when you look at the NHL roster, there are not a ton, you know, you, you've already got, you know, your Sagans and your Ben, your Pavelskis, your Hintzes, your, you know, your your Robertsons, Wincy Signs, you know, Haskinen, you know, there, there are some guys that are going to be there. And then you get into your your tier two number, you know, your tier two guys. And DeBoer had a, a comment about Denis Gurionov that I thought was really interesting, talking about moving him away from that bumper position because, you know, you want Gurionov to shoot, right? That's his whole deal. And DeBoer kind of talked about wanting to make sure he got a look in a role that he felt was, you know, better to the player. And, and on the defensive side of things, right, Thomas Harley, you probably want to find some minutes and Lundqvist as well, right? So it's it's when you start looking at those kind of down tier players, going to the AHL is is not necessarily a demotion so much as it's that calculus of if I want to evolve, if I want to develop you as a power play option. I need you to be on a roster that is going to allow you to play on a power play, right? And if that's not the NHL, you have to get into the, you know, and I don't always agree with these decisions, but you start getting into the calculus of like, well, you know, if, is it more valuable to have a guy practicing and not getting to play a certain role, but being in the NHL versus, you know, potentially not being in the NHL, but getting to be in a role that is more, um, you know, more projectable, more in line with what you want him to do ultimately. Exactly. I mean, he's he he's the perfect guy to really look into for one or two months in 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 AHL. So 
that's why that's why I said that I I I I don't see him on the opening night roster, but not not because he's not good. I mean, he is also speedy. He had really good season in Sweden, but. Uh, let's say one of the guys from the PP2 actually got uh, injured and uh, probably he's a better option to put there instead than, let's say, Radek Faxa or something or, or somebody like, like that. So maybe, and also it's really a good thing of Jim Neil to really surround the team with the guys like Olofsson because he's really good depth guy and a really good alter- alternative when injury bucks actually hits the team. So... I'm looking forward to watch him like closely, but uh, I think he could, he could be a factor later later in the season mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and I think exactly what you're saying there, Wes, is uh, one of the reasons why I think that both Kiviranta and Student Nietzsche make the ultimate NHL roster because we we see where they fit and we know that they can produce down on a, in a fourth line role, especially if it's a fourth line role that's supposed to bring some energy with the potential of scoring. And I think both of those guys have the ability to do that, but they can also miss games uh, on a fairly regular basis if they if they don't have a spot that day. Yeah, like think about DeBoer, right? He's heading into a season where he's got to figure out his offense, right? This has not been traditionally a high-scoring team. He's got question marks in, in Ben and in Sagan, and, and you know he's got he's got work to do in the top six. So just from a, like, I have a certain number of hours each day to trouble myself with this roster standpoint, he he's probably going to, to your point, look at that bottom six as guys that, like you said, like he can, if, if Marion Studenit goes a week, and you know sits twice and doesn't get any power play time pete DeBoer is not going to have you know whether it's media whether it's the player private like he's not going to have drama to deal with because of that decision right where if he brings up maybe a player with more offensive upside if if you know a guy like maverick bork breaks camp with the team and all of a sudden is is riding is eating scratches and, and not playing and you know scoring minutes, then all of a sudden it may it maybe it doesn't matter. I'm not I'm not Pete DeBoer. I don't know, but it it matters more. There there's going to be more inquiry to having certain guys underutilized on the roster, even if those guys have a higher ceiling than guys on the roster being utilized kind of in line with a more limited skill set. Yeah. And and, and I think I, I think just overall what we're seeing is uh, I, I don't know the last time we could say that we saw guys being pushed down the depth chart. And we've seen that in the forward group. I think we've probably seen it more with the defense. And, and we may want to transition to the defense because I think there's some interesting uh, Let's do head-to-head it. battles that have, have, have kind of been set up here. For that, There's really two slots, I think, that are open. Um, and I think one of those spots is, is, is between Lundqvist and, and Harley. And I think the other spot is one that's going to end up being between Hanley and Will Butcher. And and I think those those two spots are just there for the grabbing. And and now I haven't seen Butcher or Hanley play yet, so that one's wide open as far as I can tell. But Lundqvist looks like he's reaching out and grabbing a spot. In that and you know the last time out, all of a sudden Miro's on his strong side, and and there's been a very vocal contingent of starsdom that have been clamoring for that since practically you know they since he's been on the roster. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's not only like as an individual, if Lungfist grabs a spot that helps Dallas, they need him to do that desperately. But to your point about the depth chart, it all of a sudden you see cascading effects, right? It's not just that they need Lungquist to be good because they need one more good defenseman. They do. But if Lungquist is good enough, 
to play on a pairing with Miro Haskinen, then all of a sudden you can slide Haskinen into a strong, and, and you might you might find yourself in a situation where you're starting to get a you know like getting amplifying benefits. And the yeah, same thing- and the thing and the thing is, you know, you're you're you got people talking about Harley. Harley's NHL ready. Well, I, you know, you aren't going to put Harley in the, that number seven slot if 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 Harley can't beat Lundqvist, he's playing in the A. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, that's one of the things that probably some Stars fans will be mad about. But uh, I'm honestly right now expecting Thomas Harley to start the season in the AHL. Like, I'm, and 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 that's not a slight against him. I mean, uh, he's good. I mean, and I hope he makes the team at the opening night. But there is, like, man, there is so much crowd, like, uh, just waiting for the spots. And uh, mm, the question whether whether they waive Butcher or or Henley is moot point for me. Like, but you have six NHL options if Nils Lundqvist is actually ready and. Let's say he plays with Miro on the first pairing. You can then pair Essa with uh, Colin Miller, who appears as a steady right-handed uh, D, and uh, he could actually even drive some plays because we know Essa is not really capable of doing that. And he was sometimes like he was he was partnered with Klingberg mainly because John was taking his his game to another level. Like I mean, Essa's Lindels, and he was helping him, and Essa probably needs that kind of help and uh, Colin Miller may not be at the John Klingberg level but he can do something and then you have Ryan Suter and Yanni Hakampa who were pretty much staples last season and I don't expect uh, like either of them to be to be to be benched to start the season so I mean I I totally agree that rather than having Thomas Harley uh sitting in 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 the press box just send him to the AHL because he's waiver exempt and it's not it's not really about the waiver exemption. It's also about the playing minutes that he could play there. I mean, he can play 25 minutes a night, maybe even 30. He can play on power play, and he can even try some PK, like to really establish his, himself as an all-around defenseman one day. So exactly, I would play. Joel Hanley can play once a week, and nobody cares. Yeah, and that's not a slide against Joel Hanley, right? But you know exactly what you're going to get, and riding the pine doesn't seem to swing that way but you're you're exactly right thomas harley is exactly what we've been talking about and he's a guy that personally i hope that he is good enough to make the team and factor into the team maybe you know maybe not top four overall but i hope he's my my best case is he's a guy that contributes on the power play and there's a spot for you there's always a spot for a puck moving defenseman in the modern nhl right but to your point if he's not there yet, it is much more valuable for Harley to be the number one defenseman for the Texas Stars and play in all situations and continue to round and develop his game at this stage, right? He's 21 at this stage than it is for Thomas Harley to be a six, seven, eight flex on the NHL team, potentially not playing every night and having to battle with other guys for for special teams time. Exactly. And I, I think he can do the John Klingberg that uh, he will be so good in the NHL that they just don't have any option just to call him up and probably he could also force them to trade somebody. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's not forget that uh, Colin Miller was had had some problems with his health and uh, mm-hmm. I don't like the label, that, but he's also a little bit injury prone. So if he's Colin also Miller... making 1.8 million and it's only a two year deal. So, you know, Colin Miller, Colin Miller is not going to be, you know, it's one of those like, 
Thomas, if Thomas Harley is playing great, Colin Miller is not going to be the reason. I, I said this about the, um, you know, the the deal that they signed Braden Holtby to last season, right? If 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 Thomas Harley is, you know, all that in a bag of chips, right, comes out of the, the gates playing like gangbusters, ready to go, then yeah, ideally you don't spend almost two million dollars on a guy you're not going to use, but neither Pete DeBoer nor Jim Nill are going to bat an eye looking at that and saying, well, Colin, you know, Thomas is playing out of his mind. Uh, you know, good luck, right? That's 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 a deal you can eat without any concern or any problem. Yeah, that's and if not, that's not going to force you're not going to force somebody out of the lineup because you have to play Colin Miller in 1.85 million dollars. Exactly. I mean, and if they are not uh, really pushed against the wall, like cap wise, Colin Miller is your ideal uh, seventh defenseman, like in my opinion, and it's his better option than Joel Hanley. Although I know there are some people who really love Joel Henley and his also underlying statistics are are awesome, but uh, and he makes he makes like one million less. So if they want to, if if Jim Neal wants to save some cap, I mean he could uh, try to sneak Colin Miller to the waivers any today, and somebody might even claim him. So I'm really also not too worried about that. Yeah, and if somebody claims him, it's not like you've lost a, fa- a cornerstone piece of your lineup, right? You, this is not to denigrate Colin Miller. I hope that he contributes to the Dallas Stars this season. But in in this scenario where Thomas Harley is playing so well that he can't go down and you have to risk losing Colin Miller, like, okay, that's not yeah. going to set the franchise back. Exactly. Right, and, and, and it kind of goes to the point. I mean, you know, we, we've been talking about Harley and, and, and Harley kind of you know, last year you would think he was having his roster spot just kind of handed it to him. But this year, this team at the NHL level and really now even at the AHL level has developed some incredible depth. And I mean, you're you're talking about we we sent people to to Traverse City and we may have one of the guys at Traverse City who actually gets any kind of reasonable time at, at the AHL. I mean this team is incredibly deep, especially at defense. I mean, exactly. When when I'm coming to the DFW area sometime next year, just just, just to see Dallas Stars live, uh, actually for the first time in my life, uh, I'm definitely trying to make the trip also down to Austin and try to figure out a schedule around that way because the Texas Stars teams probably will be loaded also on the forward side. Let's say they have Blumel, they probably will have Bork, uh, we mentioned all often, but there are so many other interesting pieces. But also on D, there are so deep, and I am also pretty intrigued about Matt Murray. So in, in, in net, so I mean that team is definitely is gonna make playoffs, I think, and that's the best thing that they could do, like for the development of players like Maverick Borg, and that's why I think uh, Jim Neal signed the guys like Freddie Olofsson just to give the guys some shot to make some noise in playoffs in the AHL and really. Nothing really develops you better than the play of hockey, be it in the AHL or be it in the, in the juniors even. That's why that's also why I think uh, Wyatt Johnston, Logan Stankov and also Bork are so prepared because they had their long playoff runs last season. So And, I'm and going back even further, right? Jamie Benn had a run to the Calder Cup final with the Texas Stars once upon a time, right? And I remember getting a chance to see him play several times. And you can very much draw some, you know, you can look at the player that he was as, I think he was still a teenager at this point, but you could look at the player that Jamie Benn was in the AHL. And in my personal opinion, that experience very much translated to the success he's had at the NHL level. 
Oh yeah, I mean when they sent him down just to play playoff, I mean that was unfair against <laughs> against against the teams that he was playing against. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that definitely helped him, and that's what I mean. I think they are hoping that the same thing could happen with guys like Maverick Bork or. Let's say the White Johnston doesn't make the team, although I think he will, and I hope also he will. If his season at Windsor ends early, he can join the AHL team and also mm-hmm. make some noise in playoffs there. So there are plenty of opportunities, and the season, once in the summer, I thought the, it was pretty discouraging that they didn't move, didn't make any moves like to replace Klingberg and 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 so forth. But now I'm pretty excited about the season, both in the NHL and AHL level. Yeah, fully agree. Hey, let's let's take just a little bit of time and let's talk a bit about the goalie situation. Um, different talk than we had last year. We have Ottinger as number one. Um, we have uh, you know Anton Hudobin's gotten a little time. I, I you know in my personal opinion, I think people have been a little harsh on somebody who maybe had a major surgery and is just getting back into game shape. But uh, you know. We have we have Hudobin, we have uh, we have Wedgwood, which is intriguing, if nothing else, from the uh, from the salary cap point of view, and maybe the trade market. And and, and then as as Yart was saying, uh, we have Matt Murray uh, and Adam Shield down at the uh, at the AHL level. So we're starting to get a little bit of depth there as well. Which history tells us the Dallas Stars need <laughs> need goalie depth. <laughs> No, and, and I, I tend to agree with you in terms of Hudobin. Yeah, in a perfect world, he plays lights out, and Dallas is maybe looking at him heading into the season as a potential, you know, silver bullet to solve some of their cap angst. You know, if you could get that full hit off the books, then maybe you do have enough money to coax Robertson into something that isn't a bridge, but that seems to be wishful thinking. But yeah, I think, you know, you're you're hoping that, you know, you're if if I'm Jim Nill. You know, you always plan for the worst, right? So I'm I'm trying to hedge myself against what if Wedgwood doesn't show out over the full season like he did in his kind of cameo, right? What if Jake Ottinger is, is you know has normal goalie growing pains, and what if Hudobin isn't you know isn't back at all or isn't back all the way, right? That's three guys, and you can probably get a full season with those. You know what I mean? Like that's that's probably enough coverage. Yeah, if they wouldn't be so constrained, I mean. Anton Hodobin would be the perfect third guy to have on the team. And also, I understand some people that they are mad that he's not as good as they would hope just to just, just so we can trade him. But, I mean, from the personal level, it's not his fault that his cabinet is so high. I mean, I would also sign the contract if I were him. And, and also injuries, injuries happen. So I really hope he's good, not just because we can trade the contract, not at all. I mean... I hope we can because that would really alleviate some and some some pain and probably even uh, could make us players to sign Jason Robertson long term. But also from from his personal perspective and also probably Jim Neal knows that depth is really important and uh, we are really one injury of goalie away from potentially being a big catastrophe like. Uh, Let's say I don't want to occur. I, I don't want to jinx this, but let's say Jake is out for three weeks, and we have Wedgwood, and then who? If the Kudobin yeah. is not here, so 
I mean, we have we have the last two seasons to illustrate this, right? Without without Jake Ottinger, right? Last season is a catastrophe. Exactly. Without Anton Hudobin, the season before that is a catastrophe. So we we have very real, um, you know, very recent examples of why ha- why you can't. And, and that's not just a Dallas Stars thing. In my opinion, the entire NHL has made this turn, right? But that's how we get, you know, the, the modern NHL, right? You don't need two goalies. You need more. Oh, you need three. I mean, it also it's also one thing that I don't really understand about the NHL, that uh, why can't you have three goalies like you have in European football? Like you have uh, you have a first starting goalie, you have one on the bench, and then you have a reserve goalie. That yeah, I mean, if, I will if, tell you, I, I don't know that I agree with it. I will tell you that the most common reason that I've heard is when you get into like practice time and development time, the and, and NHL coaches are, are notorious bleeding edge, you know, thinkers. So grain of salt, right? Said very, very sarcastically. But the the typical line is carrying three goalies means that those three goalies get less time to refine and to develop. And it's the trade-offs have historically been perceived as more harmful than good. Yeah, I, I understand. I mean, I also heard from some guys who were in, on the taxi squads uh, when the COVID season was happening that it was probably the worst for them, like to be like on the fence, like not playing in the AHL and also not be yeah. not being uh, on the bench for the NHL. But just from the let's say practical perspective, like for the team, yeah. But you have you have a point that it will be probably bad for the players and good for the team. But uh, but I digress. I mean, maybe <laughs> that's where maybe a player like Anton Hudobin, like a veteran, right? It may be less bad. I, who knows, right? Goalies like to play. Yeah, I, I think, mean, that, yeah. In European football, well, like like most of your third string goalies are like those 35, 38 year old old guys that probably don't even uh, thinking about playing. That they are just there, just to be there, and they are happy with it. And uh, probably Anton would be the case as well. But uh, if if his cap hit was like. Uh, 900k but his capital is so big that it's become really probably mm-hmm. uh some sort of a pain for jim Neal as well but i mean as we said or as, as i said like from the personal perspective and also i think jim Neal shares this view that he wishes nothing but the best for anton hodobin and he wanted to give him all the chance that he could not only to prove himself for the for the other team but also for himself i mean he there's he deserves at least that like for that cup run or should I say finals run, but uh, uh, I definitely think that there could be some team that could claim him because he's only has uh, one year left on his deal and uh, Arizona just claimed uh, Jonas Johansson. So like <laughs> everything is possible. And uh, maybe he's playing the waiting game to see if there is some big injury uh, for some team. I mean, yeah, we do not wish anybody that, but it will happen because there's just... Uh, rule of law in NHL but that injuries happen and uh, and uh, Anton Hudobin could be the potential problem solver for some team and maybe Jim Neal is still quietly banking on that as well but I mean having Jake Ottinger and Scott Wedgwood is like ideal scenario also from the cap perspective but uh, that's ideal only if they are healthy and if not then the problem arises so I understand why Jim Neal is playing this sort of a waiting game also with Jason Robertson, also with Anton Hondovin, because I still think there is no place to rush. It's it's October 1st right now, and he still has like two more weeks to evaluate. Yeah, 
this so, time last season, we were having the same conversation about, God, why do they need Ottinger, Holtby, and Hudobin? Right? Like we were we were we were having that fight. Yep. Well, let me let me throw one monkey wrench in here before we before we wrap up. All all of the viewing that we've done of these goaltenders has been under Rick Bonus, which plays defense and mm-hmm. almost tries to create offense out of defense. Pete DeBoer is bringing something else. There's an entirely different train of thought that might say that the goaltenders are going to have to prove themselves in a defensive scheme that we haven't seen before. Yeah. And, and so I don't know how Ottinger is going to perform under that scheme. I think he's going to be pretty good. You know, how much of, how much of Wedgwood's numbers though, were based on the fact that he got into a system that was very regimented and took shots from the outside. So uh, again, I think there are maybe some unknowns that we're, we're, we haven't thought of thought all the way through that we'll see and hopefully not discover some problems once we get into the season. It is a great point. I mean, the Peterborough's teams are not bad defensively. I mean, uh, the Vegas team that he had was also pretty good defensively and the goalies had great numbers. I mean, but just from the perspective of Jake Attinger, who had great numbers on on, on the first side uh, last season, but uh, he didn't save that much goals above expected during the regular season. So, uh, you could make a point that uh, the, the defense structure helped him a bit, but then on the other hand, in playoffs, he saved so so many goals above expected that he even broke some records. Records, I think, and the same goes for Scott Wedgwood. I mean, he was playing for Arizona, and they didn't have any defensive structure at all. So uh, I think these guys actually do better when there are more shots at at them. And they are like in in more tempo during the during the game. And the same goes probably for Anton Hudobin. Like the more shots he faces, the better he is. So I'm not overly concerned about that. And uh, given the the bore, let's say statistic throughout his career that his goalies generally perform quite well, I think the guy should be adapting quite nicely to that. But uh, you make a good point that nothing is for certain and. Uh, it's true that bonus system and even before the Montgomery system helped goalies a bit. So we'll see if this change may or may or may or may not change some things. Right. I'm I mean, just saying you could also make the keep... point that having more goals to work with uh, could also be, you know, you can help goalies in different ways, right? One way I can help you if you're my goalie is making sure that you never see a quality shot against. And that's a way that's a very good way. It's a very effective way. Yeah, also, the and the way I can help you if you're my goalie is if we always have the puck and if we always have a two goal lead, you're also going to be in pretty good shape. Exactly. Just just score more goals. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's, how you, that's how you help your goalies. Basically. How haven't they figured this out yet? We Just score more goals and you win some games. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. And, and the last thing I'll say, and then I want to get a hot take out of both of you before we hit the road, is there's, there's one of those apocryphal sayings that circulates in hockey where, where the, the saying is always, nobody, nobody really cares until the second week of preseason. Right. That's when you start getting no more of the split squad nonsense. A lot of the fringe guys are back to their minor teams. Right. Nobody really cares until it's it's the second week, which is what we're. So this is when we should start to see things really begin to coalesce into what the team is going to look like when the games matter. Yeah. I mean, the home and home and against Colorado should be pretty telling. I mean, 
there were some guys who said like uh, the, the Rope Hins and Joel Pawlowski line with Jacob Peterson was quiet during the first preseason season and the, during the first preseason game. And I was like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> why should they bother, right? Because it's like first preseason game, like they are there just need to keep the pace up, but they are not there to 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 kill themselves for the for the goal or for the win. And uh, but somebody almost killed Ropa Hins on the other hand. So that's why I think it's it's pretty good of them to just take their time. And uh, really now is the time to crank it up a bit. But again, like the season is so long, the 82 games is way too much to my liking. Uh, also for the players and then there's potential playoffs. So I'm really not too concerned about that at all. Yeah. How about you, Mark? Any, any closing thoughts? Oh, I'm kind of ready for this all to start. Yeah. So that's my final thought. I can't can't put it any better than that. We are as well, but um, you know, great. It's still it's a good <laughs> scorching. It's still it's it. I think the stars are in a good spot overall. There's a lot of questions to answer. There's certainly nothing, you know, nothing is a given. Um, but so you're saying you like the where the team's at? I like right? where we're at. Oh, that's exactly. <laughs> you're already mid-season form. That's exactly where I was going. I like I like where we're at. I like it even more when they get Robertson signed. That's that's going to be my hot take because I think that by this time next week, I'm putting a, I'm putting a putting a bounty out. I think that they get Robertson signed before the season starts. Okay, I think they do not. I think they start without him, and mm. uh, that's that's my hot take. And I will be so happy if I'm wrong. But uh, I know this is the hottest take probably I could make. Back. It's it could be blessing in disguise, really. If if he misses like two or three games of the regular season, he did miss like six games last season, and nobody even flinched uh, at at the end of the season. That and nobody probably even remembered that Jason Robertson missed like six games to start the season. So I I think what if what if a Robertson holdout solidifies the hence Gurianov Marchment line and allows Robertson to create a second skull man Galaxy Brain. This is nice. Mark, Mark, you better you better you better get something oh, no. sizzling here. Oh I, I here I have something absolutely sizzling. It is Saturday afternoon and there's football on. There it is. You know, actually for me it's already Sunday, but yeah. <laughs> there's football on, on Sunday too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is delightful to have you with your with with the site and on the podcast. I'm very excited about having uh, having you for this upcoming season and beyond. Mark, always a pleasure. There are not enough superfluous things I can say about uh, about you. Really looking forward to, to getting into the year. And KT, as always, working her magic behind the scenes to keep the Stargazing podcast the absolute best and brightest uh, in all of Starsdom. Uh, please don't forget to like us, follow us on the socials, download us, read us, do all of the things. Uh, but most importantly, don't forget to watch the games and, and love the team. And we cannot wait to... Uh, to start talking once all this stuff matters.